everybody, welcome into a brand new episode of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. It is Monday, January 13th, 2020. And while the national championship game between LSU and Clemson will be played tonight, Penn State is already turning the page, getting ready for the 2020 season. The early enrollees have arrived on campus and they are getting ready to go and starting to build something with the Nittany Lions moving ahead this fall. Lots of stuff to get into in today's episode. It's good to be back, of course, with you. And we're going to talk about the Penn State football program because this is the six-year anniversary of James Franklin's hiring at Penn State. Take a look at the last six years, some of the highs, some of the lows. And, of course, we'll talk about tonight's national championship game between LSU and Clemson. And I want to throw out an idea that I haven't gotten around to yet, but the idea of Penn State playing on a neutral field during the regular season. Got some thoughts on that and maybe explore a possible scenario that could come into play. I'd be very interested to hear what you guys have to say about that. So listen to today's episode and let me know what you think. Connect with us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. And of course, make sure you're subscribing to this podcast on all your favorite podcasting apps of choice, such as iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio. Whatever you use to listen to podcasts, your subscription is greatly appreciated. We also appreciate those who go out and spend an extra minute of their time to leave a rating, leave a review, let us know what you think about the show, what we can do to improve, and of course, it does help with the placement of our podcast on those various podcasting platforms. So your support is greatly appreciated. We couldn't do this without you. Without any further ado, let's get into today's show. I mentioned in the intro that it's been six years since James Franklin was hired to be Penn State's head coach. And I said that today's the anniversary of that uh, hiring. Of course, that's not an accurate statement. The actual six-year anniversary was just the other day. So we did miss that. But basically, it's been six years since James Franklin came to Penn State from Vanderbilt to take over the program after Bill O'Brien left to coach the Houston Texans. And let me make a quick note right now. I'm recording this podcast in the middle of the AFC divisional round where Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans jumped out to a 24-0 lead on the Kansas City Chiefs, then gave up 41 straight points. And as of the time of recording this, Houston appears to have cut back into that lead a little bit. It's a 10-point game. We'll see where that game goes. I may comment a little bit more on this in the next episode of the podcast once we know where Bill O'Brien officially stands. But it's been a wild afternoon for Bill O'Brien in that AFC divisional round as I'm recording this podcast. But Bottom line is this, Bill O'Brien came in and did a terrific job for what he was handed. Uh, he, he didn't fully anticipate or probably realize the severity of the sanctions that were going to be dropped on him pretty much as soon as he got to campus uh, during that coaching change uh, from the Jerry Sandusky scandal. And let's be honest, Bill O'Brien had a tough uh, order in front of him, and it was not going to be easy. And there were going to have to be some sacrifices made as far as recruiting was concerned. So after he pursued his NFL dream, and again, I felt like he was always going to be destined to be an NFL head coach at some point, and I think the success that he had in the short time he was at Penn State certainly showed that he was capable of coaching in the NFL. And I think for the most part, we've seen that play out fairly well for Bill O'Brien, although we'll see where his job status is moving forward. But I think the bottom line is uh, Bill O'Brien was geared for the NFL. So Penn State weathered a couple of seasons with him at the helm, and then they needed to find their next head coach, which uh, was not going to be the easiest thing to do because they're in a, a, at the current time, they were in the middle 
of their four-year sanction period from the NCAA, the four-year bowl ban and all that stuff that was dropped on them, which we're not going to get into right now, but uh, it was going to be a tough draw. That's why I think that James Franklin uh, was a really good hire because James Franklin, given what he had been doing at Vanderbilt in a very competitive SEC where you're not going to win a whole lot at Vanderbilt, but he managed to win some games and get him the bowl games. Uh, it was as competitive as Vanderbilt has really ever been in the modern era for sure. So I think there were a lot of good signs to like there about the kind of mentality he had, the kind of a CEO mentality he he had in running a program, and I think Penn State really could have benefited from that at the time. So at the time, I thought getting James Franklin was a perfectly fine uh, a coaching hire for Penn State to make, uh, and I think it was uh, w- I think it was well received. I know there was some uh, concern about James Franklin and his uh, his uh, connection to the ongoing Vanderbilt scandal that had been going on with a couple football players down there, but ultimately, overall. I saw too many positives in what James Franklin was able to do at Vanderbilt that I thought Penn State could not afford to have passed on. And honestly, as I'm thinking about this, I'm not really sure who the other possible candidates were at the time to be the next head coach of Penn State. I know the idea of maybe Al Golden being an option, uh, that was kind of uh, fun to think about for some of us out there. And given what he had done at Temple, I think that he would have been a good hire too. He certainly would have been better off at Penn State, I think, than at Miami where things did not go well for him at all with Miami Hurricanes. But I do think that um, you know, Penn State made a good hire with James Franklin. So again, a lot has happened in the six years that James Franklin has been the head coach. Of course, right off the bat, pretty much, uh, the sanctions were lifted on him. So Penn State was immediately eligible for a bowl game in James Franklin's first year, which was good timing for them because it gave them, I'm not going to say they didn't have anything to play for, but it gave them something else to play for. And very realistically, there was a very long shot that Penn State would even be in the Big Ten title conversation. So getting to a bowl game at that point in time uh, was a realistic enough of a goal to be proud of. So Penn State goes on and uh, scratches together enough wins. They go to the pinstripe bowl in Yankee Stadium against Boston College. Win a pretty fun game. You know, Christian Hackenberg had one of his finer performances of his college career (laughs) under James Franklin for sure and uh, was able to end that season with a victory against a pretty decent Boston College team too by coached by Steve Adagio who of course is now the head coach out at Colorado State now uh, in this year's round of the coaching carousel so all in all year one gets off to a pretty good start and of course then soon enough we're talking about Penn State playing in the Big Ten Championship game with a stunning win against Ohio State with a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. It kind of changed the whole uh, Big Ten picture, uh, threw a wrench in the playoff picture at the time. And, of course, Penn State goes on and not only plays for the Big Ten title, but wins the Big Ten title. Gets a chance to go out to the Rose Bowl. And, of course, that's an epic Rose Bowl. It com- results in a loss to USC. Uh, but there were a lot of excitement about that Rose Bowl uh, experience from Penn State. Remember the, uh, the, the the burst of plays we saw from guys like Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley, uh, Chris Godwin <laughs> making some plays there. Uh, Penn State scoring touchdowns on, what, three consecutive plays, four consecutive plays, whatever it was at that point. Uh, or off three offensive, three consecutive offensive plays, you saw Penn State was really kind of turning a corner, uh, and they were taking those steps forward. Even though if being in the Rose Bowl and winning the Big Ten title was considered a fluke by many, 
they have raised the bar and i think that that experience certainly has helped that uh transition continue to rise so i think there's still a lot of good things to be had here the recruiting has been solid that doesn't seem to be slowing down too much as penn state continues to bring in a lot of really good talent develop a lot of really good talent and of course james franklin has a new contract under his belt with i think it was what new six-year deal signed last month so james franklin has been off to a pretty solid start in happy valley it looks like that's going to continue and i think we're going to see a lot of good football memories coming up here for penn state in the coming years and one of the keys to that success has been finding some good assistant coaches one of those assistant coaches that james franklin previously brought into this program it's going to be coaching tonight in the Monday night national championship game between LSU and Clemson. Let's talk about that in our next segment right here on the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. The college football season will officially draw to a close later tonight with the playing of this year's college football playoff national championship game between the undefeated number one ranked SEC champion LSU Tigers and the defending national champion, the defending ACC champion and winners of 29 consecutive games, the Clemson Tigers. It is a fantastic matchup as far as the national championship is concerned. And I think you can make an argument that this might be the best national championship game pairing we have seen under the playoff format. Uh, it's certainly right up there. And uh, you know, I know we only have a small handful of national championship games to choose from. And Clemson has been involved in a handful of them. But I do think that this is probably probably our best one yet because we've got a Heisman Trophy winner from LSU and Joe Burrow who has had a fantastic season and a historically great season for the LSU Tigers. Really changed the way LSU plays offense. And we're going to get to the little bit of that in just a moment but of course on the other side you've got trevor lawrence who's just a stud quarterback who may not have had the kind of season that a lot of people were expecting him to but if you really dig into it he actually had a pretty darn good season as well and he's only a sophomore he already won the national championship last year as a true freshman dethroning alabama in a rout and i'm really looking forward to this matchup i, I gotta say this is a real intriguing matchup to me on so many for so many reasons. Because first of all, you got two undefeated teams. That's great. You've got a defending national champion. That's awesome. You've, on one side, you've got a Heisman Trophy winner on the other side, and I can't wait to see them go toe to toe. But of course, this is a game where you saw Dabo Sweeney kind of rise to becoming one of the top coaches in the game, being on this stage. Uh, over the last few years, of course, he's got a handful of championship rings now. Looking for another one. Uh, could get his fourth national championship game uh, ring uh, as a result of this matchup tonight. Uh, that would be pretty impressive. I'm sorry, third national championship uh, for Clemson if they get it for a Dallas Sweeney tonight. So this would be uh, Ed Orgeron's first as a head coach. So this is a... Uh, this is kind of a role reversal here because it used to be Dabo Sweeney uh, trying to live up to what Nick Saban has done in Alabama. Now, on the other hand, you've got Ed Orgeron trying to cement his place and cement his legacy as LSU's perfect choice for being the head coach at the time he was hired. I'll raise my hand saying I had some doubts about it when it happened. But I think one of the keys to both of these coaches and their success uh, during their runs at LSU and Clemson, respectively, is the fact that they have surrounded themselves with some really good quality assistant coaches. Clemson's assistant coaching staff has been phenomenal for how many years now? They've got Brett Venables running the defense. Uh, you've seen their offensive minds uh, have come up through the ranks, and we've saw Chad Morris move on, and now they've got Jet Scott moving on and becoming a head coach full time at South Florida after this game. 
Uh, so you know that Clemson's always going to have some highly paid assistant coaches and some of the best in the game. And of course, LSU is no different. And that's one of the big reasons that LSU has been so successful under Ed, under Ed Orgeron with his offensive coordinator, his defensive coordinator. Uh, they have had some real good success there. One of the key additions to their staff this year is actually a former Penn State assistant that was brought in by James Franklin, and that's Joe Brady. And if you've been paying attention to the coaching carousel news, uh, not only in the college game, but as well as the NFL game, Joe Brady's name is coming up an awful lot. And that's because he is the Broyles Award winner this season. He is as the top assistant coach in uh, college football this season. And he's a big reason why this LSU offense has been ticking the way it is. Obviously, having Joe Burrow it helps out a whole lot. But you have to have a system in place in order to capitalize on the abilities of some of your players that you have. And Joe Brady was brought in just for that reason. Remember, this is a guy that uh, start, you know, got started at uh, William & Mary, and James Franklin saw him, brought him in as a graduate assistant in one of his first coaching staffs uh, at Penn State. And it didn't take long for Joe Brady to, to start making uh, his way up the moving ranks. Of course, he went on to become a key staff member with the New Orleans Saints in 2015 and again under tw in 2016. And he really developed a reputation working well at the NFL level. And I think that was a big reason why LSU decided to bring him over from the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, being very well connected to everything football-wise in the state of Louisiana, there's good uh, knowledge between LSU and the New Orleans Saints. So bringing in some guy uh, who had worked with that Saints offense at the NFL level with a guy like Drew Brees, bringing that over and implementing that at LSU is a huge difference for where LSU is this year uh, because usually you're talking about LSU and their defense and their running game and those are usually good ingredients to have but it wasn't enough to keep up and really cause any kind of pressure on a team like Alabama in that SEC West well that all changed this year LSU's offense all of a sudden was very competent and confident in throwing the football and again Give a lot of credit to Joe Burrow, but Joe Brady is a guy that put in the system in play that was going to really bring Joe Burrow to his full potential with that LSU uh, program. And, of course, the talent surrounding him certainly helps too, but you got to have the right guy calling the shots. And I think Ed Orgeron made a wise decision bringing Joe Brady in and letting him have more control of what's going to happen offensively. Because Ed Orgeron, uh, again, I wasn't real confident with the, the selection of naming him as the head coach at LSU back when he was hired for the job. But I always felt that if he just surrounds himself with some really good assistants and allows his assistants to really take control of some things that maybe aren't necessarily his expertise, that's okay. And I think that that's a huge reason why we've seen Dabo Swinney have success. And that's why we're seeing now Ed Orgeron have success. And I'm going to go back to something I read on, I believe it was Black Shoe Diaries uh, within the last couple of years. I want to say 2018, uh, when Dabo was having some of that success uh, rising up and becoming one of the faces of college football. There were a lot of comparisons being made by Black Shoe Diaries about how James Franklin and Dabo Sweeney, they're not necessarily the top X's and O's guys, but that's okay. Because if you have those good assistants around you, then you can make up for that. Uh, there's no question. They're really good recruiters. They run things like a CEO as well as any coach out there. But you have to have some really good assistants and some confidence in those assistants to really drive things up and get things up to par. And that's one of the things that James Franklin has always talked about uh, when given the opportunity. It takes a lot of work to get from point A to point B. And it takes even more work to get from point B to point C with the ultimate goal of getting to being 
in the college football playoff and winning a national championship. Now, Penn State certainly still has some distance to go to get to where Clemson is, where Alabama has been, where LSU could potentially be in the coming years. And of course, that starts with chasing down Ohio State on a regular basis. And of course, we all know that there's work to be done there. But I think there are some good things to be said about James Franklin and what he's been doing compared to what Ed Orgeron and Dabu Sweeney have done especially when it comes to the offensive side of the football. If there's one thing that people criticize James Franklin for pretty regularly, it's for the way that the offense is run. And yes, you can pin some of the blame on the offensive coordinator, maybe some of the talent sometimes, but ultimately James Franklin's going to take the brunt of it. So that's why it's important when James Franklin goes out and he hires uh, an FCS head coach who's been uh, dazzling with his offensive flair in Joe Moorhead, bringing him in and being the offensive coordinator. Look at the success that Penn State had under Joe Moorhead as offensive coordinator. And that's what led Moorhead to becoming one of those coaches that was going to be uh, sought after for a head coaching opportunity, which, of course, he took at Mississippi State. Now, things didn't work out at Mississippi State. Of course, they just moved on from Joe Moorhead. And now he's probably going to be an offensive coordinator somewhere. Obviously not at Penn State, but maybe even at Oregon, which, uh, by the way, Former offensive coordinator John Donovan, who was fired by James Franklin, <laughs> he's now the offensive coordinator at Washington. So throwing it out there, I'd love to see uh, Washington with offensive coordinator John Donovan trying to keep pace with Oregon and offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead. That's another topic we can discuss at some point uh, somewhere else down the line. But the key here is uh, with Joe Moorhead and guys like Joe Brady, James Franklin certainly has an eye for talented head or assistant coaches, and that goes a long way. Now, bringing in those coaches, keeping them in tow, and really building something with the program, that's a, that's something that is tough to do, I think, at this point, because as all coaches are uh, looking to become the next head coach or they're looking for their next coaching opportunities, the more success that those coaches have in building their own resumes, the more success you're going to have as a program. And, you know, assistant coaches that are on those track records, they're not going to stick around forever. So you got to maximize what you can with them when you have the chance. Now, Joe Brady, of course, looks like he's going to be signing uh, for another few years with LSU if he hasn't officially already. Uh, but he's going to be one of those names that continues to be out there. Don't be surprised if you see Joe Brady going some places as these uh, coaching carousels continue to spin. But bottom line is, James Franklin's got a good eye for assistant coaches. It served Dabo well. It's serving Ed Orgeron well. We'll see if it serves James Franklin well in the coming years. Recently, Penn State men's basketball took their program on the road, set up shop for a home game in Philadelphia, and took on the Iowa Hawkeyes in the historic venue of the Palestra, the home and the mecca of college basketball in the city of Philadelphia, and of course the current home to the Ivy League's Penn Quakers. And I've we've seen Penn State go into the Palestra before. Uh, a number of years back, they went in and played St. Joe's. Uh, Penn State has played teams from the Philadelphia area before. But this is the first time that I recall, at least, that Penn State actually played a home game in Philadelphia. And of course, when you've got Patrick Chambers recruiting the city of Philadelphia as much as he has been, and I think that that's a wise strategy to go with, by the way, I feel like uh, getting a chance to bring Penn State basketball into Philadelphia and put on a performance the way they did against Iowa, it's certainly a great recruiting tool. And I think it's a great way to bring some of those hometown players back onto the 
into their city on their in their stomping grounds and everything and let them perform in front of all their friends and family that may not get a chance to get out to Happy Valley or elsewhere around the Big Ten to see them play. Now, I know Penn State has lost a couple of games <laughs> since then, but it was a pretty cool experience to see, I think, Penn State uh, basketball on the road, uh, not playing in Philadelphia as a road team, but really bringing a whiteout atmosphere to the place like the Palestra. And I hope that that's something that they're going to do again. I don't know if they are or not. Again, I don't talk a whole lot of college basketball uh, on this particular podcast. So if there's a Penn State basketball expert out there or a fan out there that knows if they're doing this again, feel free to let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at LockedOnNittany and pass that along because I would certainly be interested in seeing that continue, especially as long as Penn State is going to be recruiting the Philadelphia area. Of course, this is a great region for college basketball, of course, with the Villanova Wildcats continuing to be uh, one of the dominant programs in the Big East. You've got Temple, you've got St. Joe's, the Penn Quakers, as I mentioned, Drexel. There's a lot of good college basketball competition. So it's tough for Penn State to get some of those talented players. But I think uh, you know being a part of the Big Ten and the way that Chambers has been kind of working very diligently to build something with that program that has historically not had a whole lot to be proud of. I think that that's a, that's a pretty cool uh, marketing tool. I think, especially in this region to be able to say that you can bring Penn state basketball into Philadelphia and they'll put on a show. Uh, you know, they're not going to be selling out the Wells Fargo center or anything like that. Like Villanova does against some of the teams that they bring in there, but uh, getting a chance to play in the palestra. That's really cool. And it got me thinking, of course, as I always do, you know, when's the next time Penn State could potentially play a football game on a neutral field? And of course, this is something that Penn State has done before in the regular season with uh, multiple appearances in the old kickoff classic up in the Meadowlands. I still personally wish that game existed, but of course, the the age of the neutral site games has shifted a little bit more south with a game every year in Atlanta or a couple games in Atlanta, and of course, down in Arlington where Penn State just played in the Cotton Bowl. But those are the two major destinations for those early neutral site games that are being played out there. And so I went ahead and dug through the schedules a little bit because I always thought it would be cool to see Penn State play in one of those games. Of course, with college football scheduling the way it is these days, it's very difficult to say that's going to happen anytime soon. For starters, the Chick-fil-A kickoff in Atlanta is already booked through, I believe, 2023. They've got three games that are going to take place in Atlanta this upcoming season. They've got two games scheduled in 2021. They've got two more scheduled in 2022. And I believe they have one game scheduled in 2024. So as of now, there's no game officially booked on the tables or on the rec- on the record for 2023. So as far as the Chick-fil-A Classic in 2023, that's the first one that popped out to me and says, oh, well, maybe Penn State could play in that game. Of course, problem is with college football scheduling, non-conference schedules fill up years in advance, and Penn State is no exception. Penn State's non-conference schedule is already booked through the 2023 season, and I don't think there's any chance that Penn State would be willing to move a home game against West Virginia into that open slot in the Chick-fil-A kickoff classic down in Atlanta. First of all, you're not going to move a game that's going to take place on your home field in front of 110,000 potential ticket holders and played in an NFL stadium uh, outside of your region in Atlanta. Uh, that's going to host, I don't know how many seats they have in there, but it's not got 110,000. It's probably like 60,000, probably at the most or something like that, maybe a little bit more, give or take. But bottom line is the bottom line. And you're not going to give up all that ticket revenue to play a neutral site game, even if there is a nice little financial incentive. And teams that play in these neutral site games, especially Alabama, school like USC or Michigan, they get paid a lot of money to play in these games. But I don't 
think that Penn State would be interested in moving one of their home games uh, against a team like West Virginia down to Atlanta. It doesn't really make sense. And I don't think West Virginia would do the same thing, you know, move one of their home games against Penn State, I believe, in 2024, the following season. I don't think there's any way that they would move uh, that game down in Atlanta. And I'm not even saying that that's a possibility. I don't think that's probably going to happen because the Chick-fil-A kickoff game does typically like to have a team from the ACC and the SEC, uh, if not squared off, certainly have one of those two conferences represented. And of course, Penn State's in the Big Ten and West Virginia's in the Big 12. So I'm not going to say it's entirely impossible that either of those teams plays in a Chick-fil-A kickoff game at some point in time, but I certainly don't think that it would be those two teams playing in a Chick-fil-A kickoff game in 2023 or even in 2024 because, as I said, it looks like they want to have multiple games played in that Chick-fil-A kickoff weekend down in Atlanta in the foreseeable future with three games this year, two games each of the next two seasons, and I would imagine they're going to try and do the same thing in years to come. So again, I don't know if there's a 2023 game that's already rumored to be out there, but I don't think Penn State is going to be in that mix. Now, I will be interested to see, you know, maybe the season opener in 2025 doesn't look like that's going to be moved because Penn State's going to be playing Virginia Tech, and of course, uh, I don't think Virginia Tech and Penn State would be willing to move a home game against the other school into it, that Atlanta spot. Uh, but, you know, even further down the line, 2026, 2027, if the Chick-fil-A kickoff game is still an ongoing thing at that point in time, I think it's possible that Penn State could be a, a team worthy of consideration for one of those games down the future. And I think that would be great to go on the road into Atlanta and take on a team from the ACC or the, even the SEC in Atlanta, uh, the college football capital of the world, basically, outside of New Orleans on this particular day. But it just feels like that would be a really cool experience. Go down into play in that Atlanta Falcons stadium, uh, another really high-class, first-class, uh, modern-day NFL venue. It's a pretty cool experience. And again, you probably get a chance to play a pretty good team. Uh, the Chick-fil-A kickoff game has been bringing in teams like Alabama. They've, they're going to have Clemson. Georgia's been in there. Boise State has come out and played in it. Uh, so you've got some good opportunities to play some really good opponents there. Auburn, I think, is a team that's been in there. Virginia Tech has been in there. Uh, so you've got some, you get some good matchups in those Chick-fil-A kickoff games. And I don't think that that's going to change anytime soon. I don't think a Big Ten team has played in it. And certainly no Big Ten team is currently on the lineup to be playing in one of those games anytime soon, but you know, Penn State could be a team just to keep an eye on. But let me know what you think. Do you think it would be pretty cool to see Penn State play in one of those neutral site games, whether it's in Atlanta or maybe even down in Arlington? Or would you love to see the kickoff classic game come back in some form, maybe play that in the Meadowlands like they typically had before, and maybe bring in a team out from the West Coast like USC? Penn State's played USC in the kickoff, game, kickoff classic game a number of times. So I'd be very curious to see that game come back, although I don't know if we'll ever get quite there because it does seem like college football scheduling is starting to shift more to those home and home series which i think is also great in college football especially to get a chance to embrace some really good matchups on college fields in college atmospheres so i'm not totally against these neutral site games i don't want to see too many of them but i think it'd be pretty cool to see penn state play in one but let me know what you think hit us up on twitter at locked on nitty check out our facebook page at facebook.com slash locked on nitty let us know what you think. Penn State in a neutral set game. Thumbs up or thumbs down? 
And that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode to get your week started. Hopefully, we get your week started on the right foot. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all your favorite podcasting apps, again, such as iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. We also have an RSS feed, so if I didn't mention your favorite podcasting platform, feel free to add that RSS feed to whatever you're using to subscribe to your podcast. And then once you're subscribed, make sure you rate review let us know what you think about the show and what we can do to improve we like seeing what you have to say about us and of course it does help with the placement on this various podcasting apps so the more subscriptions we get the more ratings the more reviews we get the better off we're going to be in 2020 of course we could not do this without you and that's why we want you to be a part of the show so make sure you're following us on twitter at locked on nittany liking us on facebook at facebook.com slash locked on nittany send us your questions so we can do some mailbag features you can send questions at any time you got penn state questions big 10 questions uh, the future Penn State questions, you name it, we'll try to answer it in a future episode. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. I'm also providing some national coverage on AthlonSports.com and NBCSports.com's College Football Talk. This podcast is not affiliated with either of those media outlets, but I hope you'll go ahead and check out what I have to say about some of the other national topics that are out there. And, of course, we do dig into some Penn State topics here and there on the Athlon Sports coverage as well. No episode for you guys on Tuesday. We will be back on Wednesday with a brand new episode after we get all caught up from everything going on with the national championship game. Monday's going to be extremely busy for me, so we won't be able to get a chance to put together tomorrow's podcast for Tuesday. But we will be back on Wednesday. So again, make sure you're subscribed and we will have that new episode for you at Wednesday at the stroke of midnight, as we typically do. So once again, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a great Monday. Come back. We'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, all that good stuff. And that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. We'll talk to you Wednesday. 